Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. If you'll look with me to the book of John, chapter 19, verse 30. And then we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 1, 18. John 19, 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And I'd like to preach a message today entitled, It Is Finished. Let's say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your word, for your goodness. I pray that you would speak to our hearts today, God. That you would challenge us, that you would heal, deliver, save as only you can do. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Do you ever work from a to-do list? You know, you go to the grocery store and you're one of those check offers. You have that list and you check it off. Sometimes I'll go to the grocery store and I'll get a cart, a buggy, and I'll see somebody's list in there. They've checked everything off and they've loaded it and left and they left their list. They're done with it. It's almost like they're bitter about it. Like, I'm done with this list. I'm leaving it here, not even taking it home. I, on the other hand, usually have a list from Valerie and I like to bring the list home just in case. You know, she's like, well, you didn't get so-and-so. Well, it wasn't on the list because I'm going to check that list off. It's so satisfying to put a check by those items on the list. Am I right about it? Well, Jesus came to the earth with a to-do list. He came with an assignment, a mission, a job to do, and he had a to-do list. Luke 4.18 says he came to heal, restore, and deliver Luke 19.10 says, He came to seek and to save that which was lost. John 3.17 says, He came to save the world. John 10.10 says, He came to give us abundant life. John 12.27 says, He came to die on the cross. Galatians 4.5 says, He came to redeem us from the curse. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He came to become sin for us. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says he came to lift us out of lack and into abundance. 1 Timothy 1.15 says he came into the world to save sinners. 1 John 3.8 says he came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 4.10 says he came to make atonement for our sins. And there are many, many others. But then there's also Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is one of the most profound and prophetic chapters in all of the Old Testament. And its central theme is the Messiah and his mission. It's insightful to be sure, but it's also befuddling because to the Jewish mind, Messiah is to be a king, a victor, a conqueror. To the Jewish mind, Messiah is the embodiment of the strength of God, the arm of the Lord, God himself robed in human flesh, the kinsman redeemer, willing and able to redeem fallen man and win back everything the devil had swindled 
from Adam's failing grasp. But curiously, in Isaiah 53, Messiah is portrayed not as a conquering king, but a suffering servant. And yet, we know he did win. He did conquer. He is the king of kings. But he did the work, his to-do list, his assignment as the suffering servant. Which lines up perfectly with the very first messianic prophecy in your Bible found in Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. That was his assignment. And you shall bruise his heel. This would be the suffering, the means. The bruised heel speaks of the suffering of Messiah. The victory Messiah would obtain would exact a toll, not just on the victim, the serpent, the devil, but on the victor, the seed of the woman, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. If you go through Isaiah 53, you'll see this in verse 1. He starts by claiming that his report is so strange and counterintuitive that many would find it unbelievable. He says, who has believed our report? Then he started in his report how God's strength would be masked in weakness. Isaiah 53, 2. He would come from a place nobody expected in a way nobody expected. And we know he was not born in a palace in Rome or in the temple in Jerusalem, but he was born in a stable, a manger in Bethlehem, Judea. Isaiah 53, 3 says he would not be adored and respected, but despised and rejected, familiar with grief. He rode in on a donkey. You remember that? The multitudes were singing his praises, but just in a, ma- in a matter of hours, those same people were demanding his crucifixion, despised and rejected. Isaiah 53, 4 says, He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. I want to unpack this a little bit. The word bore means to bear, to carry, to shoulder. The word carried means to be burdened down, heavy laden. The word grief means sickness, malady, calamity, anxiety, affliction, evil. The word sorrows means physical and mental pain and anguish. So he was burdened down, heavy laden with all of our issues, all the things that weigh on us, all that stuff, and it was a bitter cup. Isaiah said when people would see the suffering servant, they would look upon him in shock. And say, what in the world did you do for God to do this to you? God himself has smitten you with sickness and malady and calamity, anxiety, disease, affliction, physical, mental pain, and anguish. Many scholars believe that Jesus quoted the entire 22nd Psalm, which ends with, it is finished. In one of those verses, he looks down and says, All of my bones are out of joint. But then Isaiah clarifies in verse 5. The truth is, he says, it was not because of what he had done. He was wounded for our transgressions. That is, for our rebellion, our faults, our trespasses, our sin. And he was bruised for our iniquities. That's our depravity. Our guilt and shame. Let me go ahead and say this. Jesus did win the victory. But he did so in such a way that nobody expected. Here's how he did it. On the cross. Foolishness to others. 
but the power of God to us who are being saved. The bottom line is this. His to-do list, his job, his assignment, his mission was to bear the burden of our sicknesses, of our diseases, our physical and mental pain, anguish and anxiety, our sin and rebellion, our guilt and shame. His to-do list, his job, his assignment, his mission was to provide for our health and healing, our provision and deliverance, our peace and prosperity. And I am here to declare today that he did it. All of it. Every jot, every tittle, every detail, every item. And it was all wrapped up on the cross. He was up there on that cross winning a war for us. This was his job, and he did it. And when it was done, he said, it is finished. I'm telling you, church, he did it. He bore it all. He finished the work. Can you give him praise for it right now? Thank you, Jesus. Now I want to ask you a question. Why did he do it? Why did he bear our sicknesses our diseases, our anxiety, our physical and mental pain, our anguish, our sin, rebellion, depravity, shame, guilt, lack. Why? Well, because he loved us and so that we would not have to. So we would not have to. He bore it. So we would not have to. When he said, it is finished, he was saying all the poison that the serpent, the devil, injected into the human race, I have borne it all so you don't have to. In Isaiah 53, 11 and 12, it says he wants to share the spoils, the win, the victory with us. So here's the bottom line of today's message. If he said, it is finished, then we have to learn to say, it is finished as well. What he declared finished by grace, we have to declare finished by faith. (laughs) Hallelujah. My days of shame and guilt, y'all, are over. It is finished in my life. My days of sickness and despair and disease are over. Why? It is finished in my life. He bore it all. My days of lack are over. It is finished in my life. My days of fear and intimidation are over. It is finished in my life. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Come on, give him praise. Come on. The devil's a liar. He wants to tell you that you've got to bear what Jesus already carried. It is finished. My days of anxiety are over. It is finished. I'm anxious for nothing. My days of sickness are over. It is finished. By his stripes, I am healed. My days of lack are over. It is finished. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. By Christ Jesus. It's finished. It's finished. People say, but D.H., dude, that just sounds presumptuous. 
That sounds arrogant. Who do you think you are? I'll tell you who I think I am. First of all, let me say this. I believe it's humble to agree with what he already said. I'm trying to line my thoughts up with his thoughts and my words up with his words. That is humility. What I am saying is you are who you said you are and you did what you said you were going to do. And you want to know who I think I am? I am who you say I am and I can have what you say I can have. It is finished. That is faith, y'all. That is faith and it is Christ honoring that addiction is finished in my life. That habit is finished in my life. You bore all of my sin and my shame and my faults and my failures so I wouldn't have to. You wanted to raise me up above them. Now listen, just because he's done the work does not mean the result of his work is automatic in my life. I have to believe him for it and act in such a way that substantiates my faith that supports my faith. So I believe and I declare and I obey and I sow and I speak. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I I believe and I declare and I obey and I sow and I speak. Don't believe and declare your freedom from a nicotine addiction and keep your cigarettes handy. Throw them away or, or put them out of reach, man. Make some steps in that direction. Don't believe God's going to deliver you from a sexual sin and then move in with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and and say, well, you know, everything will be all right. No, it won't. Faith without works is dead. There are some things that are finished in my life, y'all. They're finished. It is finished. It is finished. It is done. On the cross, he declares so, and I put my mouth and my mind in agreement with him. It is finished. Those days are over in my life. The devil's a liar. Let me remind you, the devil's a liar. He wants to keep you in bondage. He wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you grounded. He wants to keep the provision that God has made for you away from you. He's a liar. Everything he provided for me, it's mine. I grab a hold of it. Not only are there some things finished in my life, there are some things that are just beginning in my life. Forgiveness belongs to me. The washing away of my sins. Listen, if you've never been baptized in the name above every name, in water, in Jesus' name, the name of Jesus Christ, the name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, that name, if you've never been buried in water in Jesus' name, let me tell you, you can go down one way and come up totally different another way to rise and walk in newness of life. There is forgiveness of sins. It belongs to me. I believe that. Healing belongs to me. Healing, spirit, soul, body. What difference does it make? It belongs to me. It is finished. Peace belongs to me. My my mind is at peace. There's no reason for there to be peace in your life. Donovan, oh yes there is. He has given me peace with him. And that's the only peace that matters. I have peace in this world that people don't know anything about. It's a peace that passes all understanding. Love belongs to me. I've been a participator in that perfect love we sing about. And I walk in that love. And it empowers me and it strengthens me. 
power belongs to me. He's given me the power of the Holy Spirit. Authority belongs to me. I walk as a believer with confidence. Joy belongs to me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Freedom belongs to me. I've been whom the sun sets free is free indeed. That's why I praise and worship him. I'm a new creation. It's finished. I'll never forget years ago, Valerie and I were in El Salvador. We were down there on a missions trip. It's hilarious. We stayed in this, you know, like half a star hotel at the best. I mean, it was miserable. We drank goat milk and stuff. And we were down there in, in, in El Salvador and went through all these churches in the mountains and in the capital and all over the place, man. It, it was really amazing. It was awesome. Now, our kids went 20 years later to El Salvador, and they called me up, and they said, uh, hey, Dad, you know, on their cell phones, hey, Dad. Uh, I'm like, hey, y'all, you made it. What's up? They're like, oh, we're just hanging out in the Apple store. I'm like, what? Yeah. They're like, yeah, we're in the Apple store. It's connected to our hotel. This is a nice hotel. I'm like, you got an Apple store in your hotel? Are you in, El- are you in San Salvador, El Salvador? And they're like, yeah. And so... Later, I talked to the missionary that was hosting, and I said, listen, you guys got to do something different, you know, because I want my kids to suffer on the mission field. You got them in five-star hotels in an Apple store, for crying out loud. What is wrong with y'all? And they're down there just rocking. We're in a half-star hotel drinking goat milk. They're hanging out in the Apple store drinking Starbucks. Unreal. But we were down there, Valerie and I, right after the revolution in the house, Bruce and Diane, friends of ours, they, they, were, they, were, they were there during the, the revolution. It was a very brutal time. Bullet holes all over the city. Uh, shell, mortar shell uh, craters and whatnot all over the city. Their, their house, they had to get on the floor and, and live for uh, a week or two with shells flying from both sides. Just, just a miserable existence. But in, in the middle of all that, God raised up hundreds of thousands of believers. A church came out of that. It was amazing. And we traveled all around, all around that, that country in the mountains, the coffee bean country and, and, and just everywhere. But I remember one time in San Salvador in, in one of the larger churches there, there was a little old woman who was dancing like crazy, crazier than anybody. And let me tell you something. They knew how to get down and dance before the Lord. I wish we had some of that that get loose here in Life Point. Can I meddle for a moment? I wish I had some of that. that would, it's the same Jesus. It's the same message. Those people just had less back in the days we were there. They had less to, to, to ground them and to keep them, you know, satisfied. And so they were just all about Jesus all the time. And when the music kicked in, am I right? They went crazy. But there was one person that was going crazier than everybody else, this little old lady. And she was up there just, whoo, she was just dancing, man. We were singing and stuff. They were dancing and going nuts. And this one little old lady was going crazier than anybody else. And Bruce said, Donovan, he said, you see that little lady? You know why she dances the way she does? I said, no, Bruce, why? He said, because about uh, eight or nine years ago, she died. She was dead for hours and hours her family had gathered around to mourn, and Jesus raised her from the dead. That's why she praises and worships God so dramatically, because Jesus raised her from what 
made that happen. I'll tell you what made that happen. It is finished. He took all of that sin, all of that death, all of that disease. He took that upon himself. And in his providence and in his mercy, he raised that little lady from the dead. I'm telling you, it was the power of what Jesus did on the cross. And that same power is in this building today. It is finished. What do you have need of? Nothing is too big for Jesus. He can move the mountains in your life. You're like, well, I, I, can't, I can't perform well enough to get him to move this mountain. He's already performed in the magnum opus, the performance of eternity on the cross. And he took a bow at the end and said, it is finished. My response is to say, thank you, Jesus. It is finished. Devil, you're a liar. You're a defeated foe. Your poison has no effect on me. I've been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. You made him to be sin for me who knew no sin, that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. I come boldly to the throne of grace to receive help in the time of need. I've seen the miraculous hand of God Many times in my life. There's one time in particular I like to tell these stories. It was uh, a Tiggy Duplessis Life Point story. Every time I drive by our old building on Tiggy Duplessis, I say, thank you, Jesus, that we did not get that building and we got this building. <laughs> Nothing against Tiggy Duplessis or the building. People were wonderful. It was awesome. This is better. <laughs> yeah. But when we first moved into that building, we were negotiating on it. Some of you have heard me tell this story. We were negotiating on it, and I, 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 my dad's a realtor. He's been a real estate broker for many, many years, and he's a phenomenal negotiator, just this creative finance guy, just innovative. It's amazing what my dad does. It's just incredible to me. I, I, whatever he's got in that area, I didn't quite get it. Like, he's amazing at that. He's, he's just amazing. And so I pulled in, he was on our board, and I pulled in our chief negotiator, Caleb Hill, to negotiate on our building over on Tiggy Duplessis. The people were like, uh, so y'all want to lease our building for a long term with an option to purchase? I said, yeah, that's exactly right. They said, so how old of a church are y'all? I was like, well, we're like, you know, three or four years old. And they're like, okay, like three or four. So you started this church? Like they didn't have a clue. And Yeah, yeah, we started the church. God is with us. We're going to do something awesome. Oh, uh, yeah, y'all have any money? Well, you know, not really. You know, we got a little bit coming in. And, and, and they're like, well, we don't know. So I pulled in my dad. I was like, Dad, I need you to negotiate a deal, man. You've got to convince these people we're the real deal. So my dad called me up. He said, Donovan, he said, I got a deal worked out. I said, really, what is it? He said, here's the deal. They're going to lease it to us for $2,000 a month. I said, oh, man, that is cheap. You're like, we were renting a, a building with, like, you know, three hours a weekend for almost that much money. They're like, they're going to rent it to us for $2,000 a month for the first year. And the second year is going to be twenty two fifty, dollars and the third year is going to be twenty five, dollars and the fourth year is going to be like thirty five, dollars and the fifth year like 4000 and blah, blah, blah. I said, well, you know, okay, well, we're going to grow because God is with us in Jesus' name, you know, like. And so I'm talking real big, and he said, and then here's the deal. They agreed to do it if we pay the first year in full up front. And I was like, are you, you mean like $24,000 up front? My dad's like, yeah. 
And I'm like, Dad, you're fired. You know, like, like you're, you're fired. You, we got like, you know, $240, you know, $24,000 up front. That's right, son. That's the only way it would work. Trust me. I'm like, man, you got to be kidding me. So we rolled up our sleeves, went to work, came to our people. You know, some of y'all were there uh, and, and reached out to friends around the world and said, you know, we need some help. The bottom line is this. I believe God was with us in that, and I believe that it was his providential hand. It was his power that moved on people and moved in such a way to take us further than we ever thought we could go. And in 30 days, we had 24,000. I walked in like a boss to a closing attorney's office, signed the papers, gave them a cashier's check, and said, thank you very much. And we didn't have rent for a year because we paid it all up front. What did that? I'm telling you, it was the cross making it possible. That is what made that possible. That same power is in this building today. Now, that's not my first rodeo with paying rent up front. Years before, we had moved to Maryland. We were going to plant a church in Bel Air, Maryland. And again, we, we were, you know, behind the eight ball. I've spent a lot of time behind the eight ball. I know what the back of the eight ball looks like, y'all, like firsthand. And I was behind the eight ball. And, uh, and so I get up there, and I... We had a house deal worked out, but it didn't work out. And I, I, I ended up fine. We stayed in a hotel for two weeks. It was miserable, Jane. A sorry hotel, a half-star hotel. And I stayed there for a couple weeks and, and, and then found a house. And when I found the house, I, I, uh, I made an offer. And the guy's like, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a church planner and I'm self-employed. He's like, a church What? Like, you know, we, we're planting a church. We're starting a church. You're starting a church? Like, the church has already started. Why are you starting? What do you mean starting a church? What do you mean planting a church? Like, he had no clue. I'm like, well, the Lord, the hand of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, you know. And I'm out here starting a church. And, and he's like, dude, that's not going to happen. Here's, here's the only way I'll lease to you. Your credit checks out. Everything checks out. Here's the only way I'll lease to you. If you'll pay... Uh, the first six months rent up front. And then I'll think about renting to you and you pay the first six months up front and then you start paying in 30 days your first note. You're paying the back end of the rent. Rent. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'll pay the first six months and I'll, you know, that'll give me time to get on my feet. And he's like, no, you'll pay the last six months of a year lease and then you'll start paying in 30 days, you know, you'll start paying in 30 days the, the, the rent. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. No, that's, that's the game plan right there. And then we had like a week to move in. I said, Lord, have mercy on me. God provided. God had made a way already. It was incredible how it all worked out. What did that? It is finished. Jesus had already made a way where he guides, he provides. I'm telling you, he's already made a way to your situation, to your circumstance. That mountain is not too big to be moved. No matter how impossible and overwhelming it may seem to you, it is finished. Stand with me right now. It is finished. There was a family that was on vacation. 
They were driving across the country, and they were enjoying a beautiful spring day. We were on the road yesterday. It was just beautiful, kind of a fallish type weather, especially coming from Kentucky down, and uh, just beautiful weather. This family was driving like that with the beautiful weather, just enjoying the, the beauty of nature, and it was husband and wife, a couple of kids in the back. And they had the windows down, and, and a bumblebee flew into to their car. Boy, that's scary, isn't it? Bumblebees are scary things, man. <clears throat> Not as scary as a red wasp, but, you know, a bumblebee's a scary thing. Bumblebee flew in, the little girl's freaking out. Daddy, daddy, oh, it's a bumblebee. It's going to save me. It's going to save me. And, and, and the dad's watching the thing. You know, he flies over here. They can't fly anyway, they say. You know, so it flies over here and, it, like, you know, goes... What do you call it? hyperspace? You know, like hyperspace is over here, you know, and then it's like, then it's over here again through the wormhole. It's over here, and like it's just kind of going everywhere. And 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 the girl's freaking out, Daddy, Daddy, the bumblebee's gonna sting me. And the dad reaches out finally when it's hovering and grabs a bumblebee. And the girl's like, Thank you, Daddy. You got the bumblebee. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. And then he lets it go. And the little girl says, Dad. He's going to sting me. And the dad looked at the girl and he said, no, honey, he's not. And he held up his hand and there was a stinger in the daddy's hand. I'm telling you, our heavenly father has taken the sting of death. Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Oh, oh, death, where is thy sting? I'm telling you, he's already absorbed it. It is finished in the same power that raises the dead, that makes miraculous provision, forgives sins, takes away shame and guilt. The cross was God's magnum opus. In 1912, George, George Bennard put it like this. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Somebody needs to cast their cares over on the Lord. Somebody needs to declare today, it is finished. Somebody needs to agree with Jesus, it is finished. Can you bow your heads with me right now? Father, I thank you for your kindness. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's as we see you lifted up. Paul said, I have presented Christ among you crucified. It's the power of God into salvation. If we can see you lifted up, taking the sting, taking the pain, taking the sickness, taking the shame, taking all of the brokenness upon yourself, then I can know it's finished in my life. I don't have to live with this a day longer. I believe and declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by the preaching of God's Word. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, or if you plan to attend one of our services, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.